Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. We are going to look at Phoenix practice data and see if it correlates with the Phoenix results. We did this with the Las Vegas race before. Let's see what we can learn. Let's build the process. Practice is completely different this season. It's shorter. It's broken into different sections. Is there enough time? Are people just hot lapping? Are people really getting long runs? Are some people just doing shakedowns? It looks like it's different across the board. And maybe we can find some patterns that will help us build better fantasy lives. I want you to do Atlanta picks. I can't do Atlanta picks. We haven't seen any practice session at Atlanta. We don't know how it's going to race. I'm not going to do my time. You're not doing the right videos. I need you to shut up. I need you to shut up. We're going to do Phoenix practice data. If you don't want to do the homework, if you don't want to build your systems, if you don't want to build your processes, see you later. You know that's how I work. I just want picks videos, daddy. That got weird really quickly. I'm about process. I'm about systems. I'm about the constrained visions. I cannot guarantee outcomes. I cannot guarantee outcomes. I cannot guarantee outcomes, but I can guarantee process. Think about it. I can guarantee process. I can stick to a system. And so we are sticking to the system. Let's look at the practice data from Phoenix and see if it lines up. You can have access to this spreadsheet if you would like. All you got to do is go to racefortheprize.com. Click on that red button. This is Brandon Cruz DFS. That'll take you to patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. That's patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. And then you can subscribe and support the video. Support. I don't know if I'm going to get my money's worth. Can you just show some support? Can you just show some support? There's F1 content now there. There's F1, which I've known for a while. I had to keep that one. Shh. Known that for uh, going back to last year, preparing for this. I had to keep that secret underwrapped and kind of downplay what was going on behind the scenes. So there it is. It's all available. And there's always my free content at DK Nation. Free F1 content. Free NASCAR content. If you don't want to support me, if you don't want to be a Patreon, and you just want the free videos and the free articles, at DK Nation that have been there for the last decade, then that's fine as well. I, it's okay. Your support is your support. The least you can do is like and subscribe to videos. Here we go. We're going to talk about practice at Phoenix. See if there is any correlation whatsoever in this race. We got Ryan Blaney on the pole. Ryan Blaney, super fast in practice. So, homework time. Do you remember the race? Or let me just ask you, what do you think? Looking at the practice data and then also looking at his current form this season. We know Ryan Blaney's been fast at every single track this year. Bad pit stops at Fontana, moving chicane at Las Vegas with Brad Kozlowski. Taking all that information, synthesize, not necessarily analyzing, let's just break it down. Synthesis is, he's really fast. Now, analysis and taking it to the next level on Bloom's taxonomy, trying to analyze and then predict Probably fast at Phoenix. Probably got good results if his car was hooked up at Phoenix. Seems like new crew chief John Hassler and him are, you know, really doing well. Hey, guess what, folks? Average running position, 4.5. That's the second best in the field at the race. Real rating of 100. Almost a perfect race. Led 47% of the laps. Man, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? I mean, that's, he led more laps than Chase Briscoe. So, hey, looks like there's a bit of correlation. He went out and did two long runs. Maybe that is a practice pattern we're going to see. Maybe some of the people that are going out there and soft-footing it, soft-pedaling it because they're scared to push the car towards the edge. Or maybe they don't trust their car is why they're not putting it close to the edge. Maybe people are going to say, hey, this is what Blaney has been doing in practice. He's 
trying to use practice time efficiently. He's not going out there and necessarily running a hot lap. He's not going out there and doing shakedowns. He's doing the truest form of practice like we have seen in the past. And guess what? Who's getting the best performance out of his car? Who's getting the best results? It's Ryan Blaney. I would imagine that other people are looking at the chart. Now, of course, they're saying, I wish he had his car. But at the very least, they can say, maybe we should follow his approach. All right. Now, let's compare and contrast to Denny Hamlin. Not fast in practice. So the idea with Denny Hamlin is that he's going out there and he's taking it easy. He doesn't push it toward the edge. And you can look at all the different practices. We can look at Las Vegas and you're going to see some similar results where he's not really going close to the edge. Even though we know at Las Vegas, he had a pretty fast race car. Let me see Denny Hamlin. I mean, it's okay. Not super fast at Fontana. We're also going to see Denny Hamlin not pushing it towards the edge. Um, That was an even more crazier race. Actually, he did go a little fast. Fastest on the long run, but he looked at his five lap runs. Uh, he laid down a hot lap, a mock Q run, I think it was. But either way, hasn't been lighting up the scoreboard. And definitely didn't light up the scoreboard at Phoenix. He was slow. He did get that qualifying lap again, right? He knows when to turn it on. So we know Denny Hamlin knows how to race. He knows he knows how to push it. But it's clear that when he's running five, ten laps, he's just getting a feel. He's doing more shakedown as opposed to Ryan Blaney. At least that's my assumption here. You can see, obviously, if you qualify second, he knows how to run the fastest possible lap. But is he going to run a bunch of fast laps in practice to really see what he'll be able to do in a race? Because in a race, you got to run a bunch of fast laps. And in practice, he's not practicing that. And that could be a problem. Didn't seem to be a problem in Las Vegas. Didn't seem to work out for him at... Uh, now, the speeding penalty definitely hurt, but he never was able to work his way back up through the field. Average running position 15th. I need to look and see if there's some more details about his poor run. But either way... Uh, I need a little bit more context before I would take that leap. But right here, you can see that, hey, well, practice is working for Blaney, and this approach may not be working all that well for Hamlin. William Byron, really fast in practice. What was the result? Up there all day. He has been really good. I mean, you go back to Nashville, high horsepower, low down force. He had the second best car. Had to start in the back, drove through the field. May have had the best car if he didn't have to drive through the field. This year, we've seen him replicate being in low horsepower, or low downforce and higher horsepower. Him and Rudy Fugel have looked good in practices and they've looked good in races. Um, Our growing positions there, real ratings there, 60% of the race he ran inside the top five. What more can you ask? Obviously, you want to lead laps, but it's hard to pass in the top five. I don't even really want to look at lead laps or fast laps necessarily because it's just, it's not that it's artificial. It's just, it's an imperfect tool because it's so hard to pass in the top five. Ryan Blaney, Chase Briscoe, well, they ran the most fast laps. That doesn't necessarily mean that they were faster than William Byron. That just means they had the lead, and it's incredibly hard to pass inside the top five. I mean, you watch it. I mean, William Byron in particular. William Byron probably was not – no, I won't even say probably. William Byron was not faster than Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick had a faster car. And I think this is the best way to really summarize the 2022 season, which I think a lot of people have missed out on. A lot of people are enamored by this new package and aren't really seen clearly and they can't step back. Again, I, I say this in all my videos and I've said you have to be critical. I know you don't need to be a pessimist. You don't need to be down on this package and hate on this package and hate the racing. But you have to also look at it through a balanced, fair, even lens. And if you're going to be balanced or fair, that also means you have to be critical. You can't just be, oh, I love this package. I love racing. I love NASCAR. Everything is great. So if you look at it through that lens and you're a complete irrational optimist, then you can't see the flaws. You can't see the flaws. Well, one, if it would matter, like we could make the racing better. We can't. But you can't anticipate what's going to happen week by week if you're not really seeing the picture clearly. When I look at the race, the biggest thing that I keyed in on, and I think this is huge, 
Well, I've kind of alluded to this and we're starting to put the pieces together if you're being critical and questioning and say, well, what if it's not working? Think about that way. What if this package isn't working? Because again, all we're hearing in the media, all we're hearing from NASCAR and the drivers is the package is great. The package is working. When have we ever heard that before? Oh, I don't know. Every single time they unveil a new package, the 2019. Uh, if you go back and remember, everyone was carrying water for the high downforce package. Mike Joy, Jeff Gordon, they all loved the high downforce package. Oh, it's going to create an even playing field. Look how tightly packed together these cars are. They did it for years. Now they act like that never even happened. It's like uh, they're warmongers. Like, it's like the guys that march us into every single war. And then when the war becomes an entire disaster, they're like, I didn't say anything. They just, they don't even apologize, media, politicians, for getting us into a war and causing death and destruction, billions of dollars, millions of lives lost. They don't even apologize. They don't acknowledge that they had done it for years. They just move on to the next war. Same thing with NASCAR. I know it's a lot of, I don't want to get political with some people, but I'm just trying to draw some parallels into how you are manipulated or you're misled. So if you like, I don't want to talk politics, that's fine. It's okay. What we're talking about here is how easy it is to manipulate and mislead people for years. Oh, this package is great. This package is great. And then they automatically just start saying the opposite. And no one says, wait a second. You're the same person who said high downforce, high downforce. And then I just turned the clock to today. You're like low downforce, low downforce. But you were literally just saying high horse downforce is great yesterday. And now today you act like you didn't even say that. And they're doing that. That's not an exaggeration. That's not hyperbole. That's what they did. Now, if someone were to tell you one thing over and over and over, and then they switch and start selling you the opposite, start selling you, not just telling you, selling you the exact opposite. I don't know. Like, I'm Again, I'm not an altered pessimist, but I have this much critical thinking skills to say, hey, maybe I shouldn't trust that person. Uh, maybe it's not even a trust issue. Maybe I need to just wait a little bit till I buy whatever crap they're selling. Just think about that. They told you one thing. Now they're telling you the opposite and you're buying it already. What if this package isn't good? Now, how does that help me in fantasy? Well, if this package isn't good, that mainly means it's hard to pass. And, get, and so you can build your lineups accordingly. If you're chasing place differential, you're going to need Rex in this package where we stand right now. Again, going back to William Byron and Kevin Harvick, not looking enough at the practice data, but you can see it on your screen. You can see, well, you can see some results on your screen. Sorry. If you really want to look through the data and go through it yourself, raceforthepriz.com is where you're going to want to go. That's raceforthepriz.com. You look at the William Byron, Kevin Harvick matchup. Kevin Harvick was faster. If you're watching the race with your eyes, you knew he was faster. But guess what? Kevin Harvick couldn't get around William Byron. I thought they were going to fix this dirty air issue. Now, it could be a situation where uh, the package was taken to extreme, right? we got to make sure we're thinking about all things that matter. And with the resin on Phoenix, and I've been saying this for years, and people are finally starting to build up, and a couple drivers will speak up. Denny Hamlin has spoken up about it. Several guys on Twitter, NASCAR media, silent, won't say anything about it. Denny Hamlin has forced their hand. And so NASCAR media is like, are we allowed to talk about this? Denny Hamlin said something. Can we, can we mention something, NASCAR? NASCAR, no. NASCAR executives say, shut up, media. Carry the water. Say this product's good. Sell tickets. Sell merch. Sell merch. It's amazing. That's what they do every single year. But Denny Hamlin said, hey, the resin's garbage. There's one groove. You can't pass. Phoenix is ruined. So that might be more of the case. But also, if you're watching this package and the way that it has the ground effect arrow and creates the aerodynamics underneath, 
that's causing some problems. It's not quite getting enough aerodynamic downforce. And so the cars are, at least there's less dirty air, which is a result of going in that route. But it doesn't seem that the trailing car is getting enough downforce. And when it gets less downforce, less grip, and it cannot complete passes. Now, where they were able to be a little bit more racy is at the wider tracks where the downforce for whatever reason, maybe it was less dirty air. Maybe the ground effect arrow was working better. At the wider tra- tracks, you could get out from trailing a car and make some passes. At Phoenix, that problem on a one-groove resin track, you could not pass. You could not pass. Kevin Harvick could not get around William Byron. So maybe William Byron's numbers are inflated. Maybe his practice data doesn't matter. Uh, but obviously, he was in the top five. He was able to run the top five. I don't think he was as good as Harvick. Uh, but... This could be a situation where we go back to track position, track position, track position, especially at some of the single groove racetracks. Uh, more racy places, wider surfaces, maybe multiple lanes. I think the package will probably be fine or uh, just won't be terrible. But I don't know. I could be wrong. I hope that I'm wrong. But you got to ask that question. You got to think differently and maybe take a different angle so you can build different lineups. If you go into thinking, man, this package is great, everybody can pass, then you're going to chase place differential regardless of Rex. If you truly believe that this package is awesome and it's just really racy and then there's a dirt track narrative that these dirt track guys are going to win every week, then you're going to build a certain way. I talked about this. I tweeted it out. You can all, you can take that narrative, right? Reddick, Briscoe, they've all been good. Larson's been good. I mean, I think Larson's kind of on his own shelf, right? Like, yeah, he's a dirt track racer, but he just is his own thing. So those guys are kind of on his, I don't know. Like when we classify all three of those drivers together, uh, they don't really belong together. And you're kind of really creating an error. Maybe it's a thing. Maybe dirt track races are better in this. I don't know. But if you also look at who has raced well, I mean, look at the last Phoenix race, you look at this year's Phoenix race, you look at Las Vegas, you look at Fontana. Sure, maybe there's the dirt track narrative, but the other narrative outside of this specific spreadsheet, I would have to pull it up. Um, yeah, I can pull it up. Is the pit road data. I hate to tell you this, but this is another thing. Like, if you're not asking questions, if you're just, oh, yep, dirt track narrative. Well, what if that's not it? So again, this is my process. It doesn't have to be your process. And you got to be careful with this because this way of thinking can make you very depressed and sad and angry at the world. So you have to balance this out. You have to find a more happy way of being a heretic and questioning and criticizing and saying, well, what if you're wrong? Right. The idea is, what if this package is great and it's awesome and it's racy? Okay. So my angle is going to be, unfortunately or fortunately, because what if I'm right and I'm the only one that's right and it could be big wins for me? Well, if this package is terrible and it's hard to pass. So I'm going to build lineups according to that philosophy, whereas you can keep building your based on, oh, it's a great racy package. And you might be right, and you might beat the hell out of me every single week. But if I'm right, and there's probably not very many people like me saying this, then it's more likely that I'll be at the top by myself, whereas if you're right, you're right with everybody else. Another approach, and it's not being completely contrarian, because I don't know if I'm going to completely buy that this package doesn't work. I like the package. I think it is working. Um, I with. Ultimately, if I had to guess, I would say that the single groove resin really made this track its worst. I don't know necessarily how the ground effect aerodynamics and the diffuser are working exactly. Okay. I'm not a physicist. I'm not an engineer. But a lot of times, I don't think NASCAR employs physicists or engineers either. Um, I mean, these are the same people that sold you the high downforce package. And then two years later, I mean, at least now they don't admit they're wrong. 
but at least they're willing to say, all right, this is broken. Let's change it. But here's the thing is when you change systems, you often just make systems worse. You replace them with more broken systems. Either way, pit road data, you don't want to look at a Google Drive thing here. Okay, so what if it's not dirt track racing? What if it's not skill? What if it's just these races are being won on pit road? And if you look at Phoenix's race, now one of the problems with looking at like spots gained, it doesn't really work because the way NASCAR does their spots gained scoring, it gets all wonky. And so I've kind of abandoned that until I can find a better way. Although Ross Chastain gained five spots. What race is that? Uh, at Phoenix. It's hard to trust some of these data because of green flag cycles, people staying out, people where the exact pit stop is. It's tough to trust that data specifically, but what you can trust are, uh, I went a step further, instead of just looking at inside their pit box time, which, you know, a 10.7, 10.8 second stop, look at the whole thing. This was a recommendation by somebody, I don't know if it was in Twitter or on a thread, like, well, what if you just take all three? How fast does the driver get in? How fast are they in their pit stall? And then also how fast on exiting? Because exiting also kind of, you can really launch if you got the number one pit stall, et cetera. That factors in. And so I look at that data and then pull that out and we can see here who has been the fastest on the stops. And guess what? Ross Chastain. Actually, I mean, if we look at last week in particular, so we look at Phoenix, there it is. Chase Briscoe. Look at these blazing fast stops at the end. Fourth overall, if you're listening on Amazon, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, I'm looking at the pit road data. You're seeing 46 seconds, 46.3, 46.8. Those numbers might not mean anything. Again, that's how much time did it take you to drive down pit road? How much time did you spend in your pit box? And then how much time did it take you to drive out of pit road? The best average time is Chase Elliott with 46.4, then Ross Chastain with 46.5, Austin Dillon 46.6, Chase Briscoe 46.6, Tyler Reddick 46.8, Kyle Larson, 46.9. It's the dirt trackers or, but what if it isn't? What if it just happens that those guys all have awesome pit crews? How did Kyle Larson win the championship? He wasn't better than his teammate, Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott had a better balance between short run and long run speed. Martin Schmick Jr. had more long run speed. Denny Hamlin had more long run speed. I don't even think uh, specifically Kyle Larson had that great of a short run car. The last pit stop, he comes in third. It might have even been fourth. It was fourth. But he had the number one pit stall. He was fastest to his box. He was fastest in his box. He's fastest out of his box. He came out in first for the last short run. He wins the race. His pit crew won him the championship. NASCAR doesn't want to say that, right? NASCAR and NBC love to hype up their pit crews all the time to create like these players. But when it comes down to it, it's like, oh, we can't like admit that our, our sport was not won. Like it's basically a five-yard field goal to win the championship. You have this glorious season, amazing season. You know, the guy almost goes undefeated. The best, most potent offense ever. And then that amazing offense led by the star quarterback who threw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns and came out of retirement. It was amazing. Imagine that Tom Brady doesn't really have that great of a game, but they kick a game-winning field goal to win at the end, and the defense plays well. It's kind of like more like that Peyton Manning story right? where Peyton Manning wins the Super Bowl, doesn't get the MVP. The MVP goes to the defense. That's what it was. But And like we saw that. In NFL, and even with Tom Brady winning the championship, like, eh, he had a good game, but that was kind of a funky game. People saw that. People are more um, open-minded and more critical when they watch that sport. When they watch NASCAR, they allow NASCAR. Kyle Larson's amazing. And look, I'm Kyle Larson, super fan number one. But 
again, I know how to step back and say, well, what if I'm wrong? What if Kyle Larson isn't amazing? Maybe Kyle Larson wasn't great in that race. And all it took was watching that race once again and saying, wait a second. The only reason he won is because it's freaking pit crew. Again, going back to 2022, how does it help you? Pit crew, pit crew, pit crew. Let people talk about this package. Let people talk about how racy it is. Let people talk about the dirt trackers. I'll take the boring statistic, which is freaking pit crew. And it seems to correlate more than practice. That's why. I mean, why are we even looking at the practice? Because you can. And I would like for you to look at the practice data. It's here. Probably not going to be able to go through everybody else or anybody else. And I got to remember the race off the top of my head again, which not that easy to do. I need to watch it again. Um, but obviously you may guess like he probably hasn't watched that Phoenix race over again. Cause he's doing something. I don't know. What could it be? F one. Yeah. I'm watching F one races left and right. Whoo. Wild week guys. Wild week. All right. Back to uh, pit times. And we'll see. Well, does this correlate with some of these finishes? Oh uh, yeah. Chase Elliott's been pretty good when he doesn't wreck or spin. Uh, we'll go back to our practices. So Chase Elliott fastest on pit road. What was Chase Elliott in the race? Where is Elliot? Uh, and Chase Elliot at Phoenix. Best average running position. Real rating, which is my calculation, a 97 out of 100. 82% of his laps inside the top five. Boy, I wonder if it's easy to run laps inside the top five when you have the best pit crew. Huh, I don't know, maybe. I wonder if it's easy to run laps inside the top five when you have a great pit crew, it's hard to pass, and, oh, I don't know, you're just okay in practice. So that's, oh, but he was just okay in practice. Good. Noted. That's an issue. Would like to have seen him run down faster times in practice. If you want to look at some specific laps, maybe he had a good five-lap run here or somewhere. Uh, it looks okay. Does not look better than Larson. Does not look better than Blaney when we look at the raw lap-by-lap speeds. So I wouldn't suggest that there is a huge correlation. But I like that idea, right? Looking at his practice data, Look at what he did in practice. It does not, by any means whatsoever, suggest or even infer or imply that, oh, yeah, practice correlates with results. But the results were there, irrespective of what he did in practice. Why is that? Well, maybe he had fast enough of a car. Maybe he had fast enough of a car at a track where you couldn't pass, but he had the real wild card, which was he had the pit crew. Something that you have to think about and some of the data that you have to look at. You need to start going through this data and you can get this data by going to racefortheprize.com. You click on the red button, patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS and you can subscribe to Patreon and you can spend hours and hours or just minutes quickly looking at the data. Who's number two on the season in terms of into their pit box, in their pit box, and then out of their pit box? It's none other than Ross Chastain. Oh, yeah, he's been pretty fast lately, hasn't he? Sure has. Is that possibly the reason why he was really good at Las Vegas? Huh, that's kind of funky. That's kind of weird. Wait a second. Ross Chastain surprised a lot of people. No one expected him to be fast. But guess how did he get up there? I was on pit road. Chase Briscoe surprised a lot of people at Phoenix. Huh, how did he get there? He was fast on pit road. (laughs) Isn't that kind of crazy? Kind of weird? I mean... Something going on there, maybe, possibly. Kyle Larson, pretty good at all season. He won at Fontana. You tell me, folks. What data do you like? Look, go through the practice data. Go through the results. Go through the current form. But, I look, Austin Dillon has been great this season. Austin Dillon didn't get to finish because Daniel Suarez wrecks him at the end of the Phoenix race. But, 
Step back. Has Austin Dillon been running a lot better than you expected this season? Yes. Okay. Is that because of the new package? Maybe. Is that because of his dirt racing? I don't know. Is it because of the RCR alliance with six cars on the Richard Childers campus? Sure. That's another storyline. Or has his pit crew just been awesome? I mean, you put a gun to my head. I say pit crew. It's pit crew. Please be fit, crew. Don't shoot me. Don't blow my brains out. That's what I would say. You're seeing the names of these drivers are all running well this season. All of them. Alex Bowman's up here in the top. Kevin Harvick is towards the top. Uh, I had a bad day there, and that might have hurt him overall. That probably definitely stopped his chances. It might explain why he may not have had a good result. I have to look through that. Again, I need to watch that Phoenix race over. But it seems to me um, pit road data is kind of the thing, right? You look at top 10 stops this year. Chase Briscoe has the most top 10 stops, meaning like it was one of the 10th fastest on the race. One of the, like you can see it right here, right? If you're one of the 10th fastest. So something to look at. Uh, let's quickly run through some practice data. And see, all right, Byron fast in practice. Christopher Bell, not fast in practice, not fast in the race. Hey, big, go figure. Now, it looks like JGR is, if I'm saying some teams are really running and some teams are more shakedowny, JGR are more shakedowny. JGR has also tore up a lot of race cars, spun out a lot of race cars in practice and in races. Christopher Bell is wrecked in every single race. If anyone's going to go out there and do shakedown laps and get comfortable laps every single week moving forward, it's going to be Christopher Bell. Uh, he, now, that's probably the wrong approach. He needs to practice pushing it close to the edge because he gets into the race, he pushes it close to the edge, and he's wrecked in every single race. Check out my Price King, Price Kings, Draft Kings, Price Check video. That's what I mentioned today is how he's wrecked in every single race. He's wrecked in every single race because he's not practicing at full speed. But you don't want to practice at full speed because he wrecks too much. It's a catch-22, which is a wonderful book, by the way. Um, the movie is good. I've always I've watched the movie years ago, watched it again recently. I love the movie, but uh, obviously with the book being pretty thick, there's so many different storylines, and it's very interesting how it's written. It's kind of on a character-by-character basis, very absurdist. I love it. If you like Kurt Vonnegut, and it's not like Kurt Vonnegut, but if you like absurd, then it's it's just there's so much more than there is in the book. But anyway, it's a catch-22, right? He needs to he needs to run faster in practice, but that means he's going to wreck. But if he runs slow in practice, then he's not used to it, so he's going to wreck in the race. Anyway, Eric Almirola, not fast in practice, and I believe that he disappoints in the race. Yeah, looked about just like a top 10, top 15 car, and that's what he was in practice. Chase Briscoe, okay speed in practice. Third fastest on the top five, so it looks like he had just enough speed. Would love to have seen him do more laps. This is a track where he had always struggled. Xfinity Series, Cup Series, you name it. I think the pit crew clearly was the deciding factor. Kyle Larson, fast. Right there. What happened with Larson? Um, I don't know. I'm blanking. Sorry, folks. Oh, mechanical failure. That's it. Okay. Um, Cindric really fast in practice. I didn't really buy into that. And so that's one to watch. I don't know. I wasn't buying that. I don't know if you were. What was his lap by lap data? Let's see. Did he just only do like a five run? Did he do a 10 lap run? 10 lap run is pretty fast. 15. It's okay. Laying down some pretty good laps of practice. Got to look and see what that's all about. Alex Bowman, just okay. But we have seen, you go back to Las Vegas, he was just okay. Had a top five. So fast enough with the pit crew. Joey Logano. I thought he would be a lot faster, and he wasn't. 
Actually, it was okay. He just never got to the front. It was hard to pass at this track. So maybe Phoenix isn't even the best one to look at um, because you could have a really fast race car, but this race was one on pit road. That's how you gain spots. That's how you got in the clean air. And that's how you won the race. Let me see if there's anybody else that stands out. Tyler Reddick, there he is, fast in practice again. Tyler Reddick is not going out and running shakedown laps. He's seeing the edge, and that's good because in the race, he is ready for the edge. And he has done everything you want to see from him. I mean, he wrecked at Fontana. That looked like it was more of a tire issue. He uh, spun out at Las Vegas, had to start in the back, still rallied to finish seventh. Everything is there. Is the practice correlating? Yes. Is his pit crew been fast? Yes. Everything is good for Tyler Reddick moving forward. Um, there it is, Ross Chastain. Is he the fastest? No, but he's fast enough, and he's got a good pit crew, and that's really all you need. So as I wrap up this video, and thank you for joining me here on the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. Thank you for doing your homework and not just coming for a picks video. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. You can show your appreciation by hitting like, by subscribing, by sharing this, by tweeting this, by telling people about how amazing and awesome I am because I, Pierce Dietrich, will be the most viewed fantasy racing analyst and I, Pierce Dietrich, will be a top-selling Amazon author. It's going to happen. Got to do the affirmation. It's work. I mean, I am kind of the top viewed guy already. Uh, if you can see the numbers, now it's outside the YouTube numbers, but if you can see the numbers that I'm not necessarily allowed to show with you, uh, pretty big. But I want to be bigger. I want more. And I, I need your help. I need your support. I need the algorithm to feed this stuff. I need everything to go positive. So thanks for joining me here on the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. But the big takeaway, the big thing that I want you to take away from this, obviously go to raceforthepricecom sign up, subscribe to the Patreon so you can go through the data. Maybe you can go in your own direction because what you really need to do, just as I am critical of everything and everyone and even myself, you need to doubt me as well. You need to say, what if you're wrong? What if the pit road angle is wrong? What if these aren't won by pit road? What if this racetrack is better than you think? What if these cars are racing? What if people can make moves? You should be looking at everything I say and also questioning everything I say. But, And the thing that you can question are my two main takeaways. It's not about being the fastest in practice. It's about being fast enough in practice and then also having a good pit crew. And you can anticipate or predict both of those by A, watching practice, looking at the practice data, and B, looking at the pit road data and seeing who has been good this year, who has not been good. Even if you can't differentiate between good and kind of good, you could probably predict who has been really bad and who are going to have a hard time getting into clean air. Now, that might not help you with value, but that could eliminate several of the top-tier hogs from your lineup. If a guy is not good on pit road, if the guy's not gaining spots on pit road, they're not going to get into the top five. They're not going to get into clean air. They're not going to lead laps. They're not going to run fast laps. They need at least a good enough pit crew. So maybe it will help you eliminate some guys. That's my takeaway. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe you should doubt that. But if you're going to doubt it, you need to get evidence and do the homework to break that down and fight that idea, that system, that process I have in place. Or you can just be a sheep and follow everything that I say. I don't want you to do that. I would rather you uh, not like what I say. Thanks, guys. It's been awesome. It's exciting. It's crazy. We got F1. We got NASCAR. It's going to be a wild ride. I am exhausted, and it's just beginning. Well, it looks like it's just beginning for you, but I've been doing the work in the background for quite some time, and I am beaten down. But I'll keep on going because you know that I can't, and I will, and I might not be the smartest. I'm not, I'm definitely not the smartest. I'm not 
that intelligent. I'm definitely not that interesting, entertaining. I don't have the charisma. I'm not a cool YouTuber. I'm not a part of a big website. I don't have the support of the loyal, supportive followers of a giant website who just follow along and say, all right, the leader of this website has said that we need to promote this guy and swear our loyal allegiance to him. He is the best analyst for this specific sport. I, Pierce Dietrich, will be the most viewed fantasy racing Analyst, I Pierce Teacher will be a top selling Amazon author. If I do the affirmations, it'll work. It's already working. Cost the thing. I just need more time to work on my book right now. <laughs> Sucks. I'm so close to finishing the book. And it's just right and then F1 NASCAR. Uh, but I'll get it done. I'll get it done. I'll take care of it. It's awesome. It's great. Hang with me. We're going to do this. And if you can, please like, subscribe. If you can, 20 bucks, 40 bucks. Maybe you don't even have to do it for the entire season. Maybe just do it for this month. Maybe come and go. Support. Get into the data. You can predict the future by using this pit road data and the practice data. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys. I really do. I wouldn't be on here yelling at a camera, having these near mental breakdowns, and sweating with a suit on on a 70-degree day in March if I didn't want to help you. That's really, that's my ikigai. Uh, one, one of the meanings I find is in helping others. In my past profession, that was what it was, to help educate others. And I want to help educate you. I don't want to just give you the picks. I want to give you the tools and the resources and teach you how to fish. I don't want to just give you a fish. I want to teach you how to fish. Let's trip the lights. Fantastic. Woo!